0: Here at Eau Claire Hometown Media, we're proud to have as one of our longest serving partners the five folks with Stokes Prock, and Munt Funeral Chapel and the Cremation Society of Wisconsin. Right here, Randy tells us why cremation has become so popular in our area, around eighty percent in Eau Claire County alone.
1: Well, it takes a lot of stress off the family because you know if their parents come in and do that. Uh, that's the ultimate gift they can give to their kids because so often people don't want to talk about this. When people prearrange and prepay, people like that. And it gives them financial security because that money is in an irrevocable trust. Nobody can touch it until the time of death. And then there's less of a financial burden on the kids because a lot of times their parents don't tell them what their asset situation is. You know, they keep that private.
0: And welcome into another installment of Banker with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott, across the way as always is Jerry who will introduce us to today's guest. And also to the beverage we will have at the time of this recording, it is hot, it is humid. Of course, we don't know when you're listening to it, it could be a completely different weather day. But this is a day that calls for a refreshing beverage, that's for sure. It does, Scott. It is a furnace out
1: there today, both heat and humidity. But in order to, um, I'll say, more refresh us as we go through a hopefully um, enjoyable conversation, we're going to have an IPA. At the request of our guest today, a great local favorite, Gunpowder from Brewing Project. Uh, and if you've been a fan of this plan, of this program, you will may be able to know who our guest is. And it's the illustrious Chancellor of UW-Eau Claire, Jim Schmidt. Welcome on board.
2: Well, I've been summed up by my favorite beer in the Chippewa Valley. There are worse things.
1: That's great to have. So... Um, Jim, great to have you back on board, Chancellor. Uh, we're going to be off to, there's lots of things to talk about UW Eau Claire, um, you know, a, a laundry list of things. So uh, tell you what, I'll get the beer poured. And Scott, how about you bring the Chancellor on board?
0: Absolutely. And it's uh, hard to believe it's been about a decade since you came to town. Are you ready for another school year to get going? Well, I heard the drum line practicing as I came in today. And I know
2: when that starts to reverberate off my windows on Schofield that I am ready for the school year to begin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, 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 uh, of course, in the course of the next 30 minutes, we'll be able to highlight all the, the changes and maturations that have happened at the university and a lot of fun stuff still to, to come. But as you sit here right now, getting ready for this new school year, what is the state of this, this school? I, people look online, they see obviously they're smaller and they're private, but some schools that have to shut down and there's been a lot of talk of financial issues at a lot of schools, but overall, how's enrollment? How, how's the overall feel at the university? <clears throat> so nationally
2: and even across the state, it's been a tough time for higher education. Uh, the pandemic took a bite out of all of us, uh, usually some drops in enrollment. It wasn't a good fit for them studying online or in a hybrid environment. Uh, we saw graduations go up because students wanted to get out of college. It wasn't as much fun. And so we're still feeling the re- reverberations of the pandemic itself. Uh, over a three-year period, we lost a little over three percent per year in our enrollment. Again, higher graduation rates, smaller retention rates, and many students decide they're going to take a year off. And the question is, will they come back to school? So far, nationally, not many of them are. Give them a couple more years. I think that starts to turn. The good news is, last year was our first year really out of the pandemic. We saw retention levels return to pre-pandemic levels. There'll be an increase in the first-year class this year. Transfer numbers are back up, international student numbers are back up, and graduate students numbers are all back up. It took us about three to four, three years to lose these students. We think it'll take three to four years to regain those students. Uh, one of the things I've been uh, proud about it, the 10 years that I've been at the university is we're good fiscal stewards. We know how to squeeze a dollar. We've been really careful with our resources. When we find out we're getting fewer revenues, whether that be from the state or from a 10-year tuition freeze. It's hard to believe I've never raised tuition in the 10 years I've been here. This fall, there'll be a small increase. Uh, but we've been careful, so we have the financial reserves to cover us during these two to three-year period that we begin to rebuild. Also, we'll continue to encourage our employees to spend less, and I've been grateful that our employees have been willing to be partners in the financial vitality of the institution. And frankly, some of the other EW schools are struggling. It's hard to watch them go through that. We've seen a number of small private colleges close. Many more are in crisis. In my role as chair of the President's Council for the NCAA Division III, we've seen a number of small Division III schools close in the last couple years, and many are teetering. So it's a difficult time in higher ed. Now, having said that, We had the blue-gold breakfast this morning. uh, It was Tuesday, for those who are wondering when that was. A very upbeat message from our employees. People are excited to get back together. We introduced new employees. The place erupted because welcoming people into the blue-gold family is so important. So I think by most measures, even though it's been a difficult 10 years in many ways, it's also been an exhilarating 10 years with much to look back. Uh, with some pride about what's been accomplished. So I think if you were to interview most of the faculty and staff leaving our gathering this morning, I think it was upbeat. It was a positive view. It's knowing we have work to do, but that we're in this together, and that's really what it's about.
0: Well, gentlemen, All right, the beverage. Uh, oh, yeah. Here we go, the gunpowder. Well, oh, that'll be tasty, and that'll help, too, as uh, Jerry says, lubricate the uh, – The conversation and uh, I know Jerry's got a a list of questions he wants to he wants to get to. But as you sit here right now and everybody that's that's taken on new jobs will always say, hey, I hope that I'm here for 50 years. Did you think you were going to last a decade?
2: (laughs) Well, the average age (laughs) of a university president now is about five years um, there was just an article in the Chronicle of Higher Ed, which is kind of our daily newspaper that we look at. And it's showing that more and more aren't making it past one or two years. Uh, uh, there's complicated issues out there. But gratefully, uh, when I when I took the job, I tend to stay at places a long time. Uh, the faculty get a little worried about people are just kind of coming in, making the mark and moving on and you know i'm headed into my 11th year and uh, you never can tell quite how long someone stays but i'll tell you one thing is uh, i feel like we continue to accomplish a lot we've got things on our agenda we still want to do and that's what makes this position rewarding and fun and frankly uh, i i wouldn't trade our faculty and staff for anyone and my students uh, you know a few of them bum me out occasionally but most of them i am so proud to spend my life and career uh, helping them find their way. Just today, I was helping advise a student who's looking at graduate schools, and I said, please come back and let me know this. I enjoy this. You know, We, we put up with all the meetings, the politics, the finance meetings, so we engage with our students and help uh, provide them a transformational educational opportunity and maybe a little something extra.
1: Well, I'm going to start up with with a little harder question. And then all right. We, we, there's so much to talk about, but since we're in this area, I, I was going to ask this a little later, but I'll come up with it right now. In, I'll say mostly on the coast, there have been some very traumatic times in higher education yeah. and, and um, some pushback from the students to the faculty and the faculty to administrations and, and you know, really tearing at the fiber of what higher education is all about so far, I'm not aware of this happening here locally or maybe even in the Midwest. How has there been, at least from your perspective, how has the, the university in this part of the country been able to maintain more of this, um, I guess, uh, decorum and, and positive discourse as these issues came up where other parts of the country basically they wanted to to, to burn the place down?
2: Yeah, so uh, one of the, you know, little things that'll be on my gravestone someday, will, you have to build the relationships before you need them. So it starts with treating people with dignity and respect and assuming that everyone has some, some value and something worthwhile to offer to a conversation. But you have to build those relationships in advance because when really tough issues come up, it helps if you already have a foundation of trust between people um you know within higher education you hear about shared governance and it's really one of the brilliance of the american higher education system if you will you know america is great in so many areas but one of the areas that most people won't argue with is we have the best higher ed in the world everyone comes here to try to model us and a big piece of that is this notion that our faculty and staff and students um, should be a part of solutions. They should be included as decisions are being made at the university. And, and frankly, there are some people out there who are in my role that view them as a bother, that they mm. were hired to be CEO, and by God, they ought to just do what they think is right. I have found, and this has been true in my whole career, that if you include faculty and staff and students, you will get better solutions. It's just like corporate America. You get a diverse group of people around the table, and ultimately— you're going to make better decisions because you got, you know, well-intentioned, well-prepared people who can be a part of that conversation. And, and I would argue the reason that we've done well in Eau Claire is the faculty and staff and student leaders, they've got my personal cell phone. If they hear something's coming up, I say, you call me. I said, yep, I got a busy schedule. You're right, but call me or contact my assistant. You'll get my attention because if it's important to them, that tells me it's something I need to take a look at. And by doing that, Uh, you know we went through the 2015 cuts you know that's a distant memory but we cut 189 full-time positions 244 jobs and we did it in a relatively short period of time it was first being discussed by governor walker at the time in january we went to work on it even though the final cuts weren't approved until the beginning of july we had all of the decisions made by the end of, of september and we did it with our faculty and staff and students. We reimagined how we did things. We broke down lots of barriers of things we always did because we had to look at things differently. And you know what? It took us years and years, and in some ways, we still haven't gotten over the people and positions that have been lost to that. But we did it together. They knew we were in it together. In fact, when we finally had, after all the conversations, the meeting to make the decisions, I brought faculty, staff, and student leaders into the room of the administrators And we did it together. And we left after a day and a half with a clear direction. Because of that, we, the people who are still left after all of that happened felt confident that we were stabilized, that they weren't waiting for the next shoe to drop. I continue to have faculty and staff come up to me and say thank you for helping lead us through that because we're not in the position that, frankly, some of our sister institutions are in. We made those hard decisions. We learned from it so that we didn't get ourselves into financial trouble. So now when we have this downturn in our enrollment, what I believe will be a temporary downturn, we have the resources to plug the gap so that we don't have to immediately start cutting all kinds of positions and creating uncertainty again.
1: What that also, I think, is that UW-Eau Claire up for, as well as maybe some other institutions who who have been bold to go down the same path, is to better address the issue right now of a College education. There there are, I see these periodically in the Wall Street Journal about, you know, is the college education worth it? That's right. You know, it's expensive. It takes up time that you could be spending, earning money or doing elsewhere. I mean, how do you address that with maybe a student or a parent who says, geez, you know, I I know you've been keeping tuition down, but this is, you know, it's probably going to be. Six figures by the
2: time th- th- my... I... Except it's not at uw One of the problems is, you know, higher ed is this broad category. And you've got the Ivy Leeds charging 70 dollars dollars $100,000. And private colleges are expensive. But it's it's $8,000 for your tuition at uw Claire. And I'm not saying that that's easy. Sure. But even if you borrowed all four years of it, that's $32,000. For the less of a price of a new car, you have an education. Y- you do. And no one will take it away from you. And guess what? of our students are employed or in graduate school within four months of leaving school. The average income of a first-year blue gold is $54,000. After six years, the average blue gold is going to be making $100,000. That's all documented, done by third-party sources. There's no question that if you have a good college education from a solid school that it's going to be a good investment. Now, how much you pay up front is important, and I believe we still offer an incredible bargain uh, for the people of Wisconsin and the Midwest. I wish the state of Wisconsin was willing to put a little bit more in, particularly when we have a record surplus, because frankly we're running pretty leanly, and, and that's where our foundation has stepped in, which is another whole topic. Um, our most recent capital campaign, uh, we've raised $133 million out of our $150 million goal. So when we turn to our blue-gold alumni, and say, would you give back? They've said yes, resoundingly. That is another vote of confidence in what the experience they've had. The number one reason I hear from prospective students when they come here is because one of their friends, a family member, a trusted adult said, hey, I went to Eau Claire. Our alumni are so loyal. And I've been in higher ed my whole career. I've never experienced anything quite like that.
1: Well, Jim, it's a good transition now into our next segment here, because in your decade, I mean, under your watch, the university has basically transformed itself. I mean, I, I look in terms just physically, um, you know, in terms of, of, you know, the faculty, how it's run you know, in so many different ways, but probably, you know, I thought last year when we got together talking about the Sonntag Center was you know kind of like the the cherry on the top. Well, now we've, you know, the announcement now with the state legislature uh, funding the second portion, final portion of the science hall, That also is, that's the, I don't know, the the cherry upon the cherry upon the sprinkles on the top. How transformative is that going to be both for the university and for the region?
2: We haven't even been able to fully imagine how transformative it is. And this has been my number one priority. I probably said this last year. When I came to campus in November 2012 to do my secret shopper trip to decide if this was a place I thought would be a good fit for me, I toured the campus incognito, walked into the science building like, oh my God. I wonder if they know how, just how bad this is. And so area legislators, if you ask any of them, including those who've retired, they'd say, I've been just a pain in the backside since I got here, saying we need to get to the science building. I have to tell you, I, I am so proud of our legislative delegation. They have moved mountains. Um, of the final bill that got approved, if you take a look at the money for our building and the money Stout got, that represented close to 60% of the GPR funding that was bonded. And that all of that's in western Wisconsin, that tells you, you know, how effective our local legislative delegation has been. So it's really quite, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Right now, we are scheduled to be in front of the building commission in October, where they should give the go ahead to go out for bids. Bids will either go up You know, before Christmas or after Christmas, everything seems to take longer here. So it'll probably be after Christmas. But nonetheless, we should have shovels in the ground late spring before graduation. We're told this will take almost three years to build with substantial completion, January of twenty-seven. Uh, start moving into the building spring of uh, 27 certainly fully open for classes by the fall of 27 it's still four years away sure so this will be 14 years in the making for me so while this seemed to come overnight this has been you know a a, a 10-year decade-long slog to make the case without it we had so many of our initiatives that are tied to this keep in mind there is nothing I do on our campus that I only get to cash in once. I leverage it every way I can. First of all, it leverages the Mayo partnership. They're bringing in almost fourteen million dollars to the cable table, so that they have ten thousand square feet on all five floors spread out, uh, purposely done porously, so that they're having all these collisions with their scientists, doctors, our students, and faculty members. This will help cement that relationship. When I'm long and gone, and the local CEO of Mayo is long gone, this will remain and will help ensure that that has staying power. But we have more than 300 businesses and nonprofits that rely on our faculty and students to do research, testing, um, exploration of other questions that they have with their products. We're one of the few universities that I'm aware of that actually allows businesses, if they're properly trained, to come in and use our equipment to the testing. We can do it in such a way things are kept confidential and the businesses love that. If we had not gotten this building, those relationships would start to fray because we simply didn't have the equipment, the room, space to be able to do that. This should increase that opportunity exponentially. And I I think it'll be an enormous driver, not only for the businesses to get that scientific effort, but this will bring in Mm -hmm. better faculty, because it's hard to recruit faculty members into the current labs we have and better students. And then you add in better, stronger partnerships and watch out, because we will be building a huge pipeline of talent coming through our university for those companies.
0: And I think going uh, even deeper than that, and something we've covered uh, on previous conversations with you, and it has pretty much been a feeling in the area as well over the last decade, generating just those overall connections with the community Uh, obviously those you mentioned right there but even just more making sure that there there are those opportunities for all students in the community and for the community to take advantage of what is going on with the university absolutely and we have numbers
2: to back this up when i got here 20 to 21 percent of our graduates stayed in the chippewa valley Last year, that number climbed to 32%. Keep in mind, when we looked at that graduating class, only 4% came from our local high schools. And yet, for that 4%, we're returning 32% of the entire class. Eight full difference. And frankly, a lot of the local kids uh, left town anyway. But uh, almost a third of our graduates made a focused decision to stay in the area. Again, keep in mind, a 98% placement rate. So that means they're in our economy, continuing to contribute back. But you know what? I I heard from our technology companies in the area that they were having a terrible time getting graduates out of our great computer science department. They said Target and 3M would take half and Lockheed would take the other half to Texas. And I said, you have to get to know our students earlier. You can't wait till they're seniors to recruit them. Start involving them in your business, do internships, invite them out for career days, let them talk to your employees, help them see the advantage of being with a smaller company where you can do something that you can put your finger on and say, I did that. I created that program. I made this contribution. This generation not only wants a paycheck, they want to actually feel like they're, they're fulfilled creatively and in their business and work life. And what they found out about the Chippewa Valley with the amazing evolution I've seen at least in the last 10 years with the revitalized downtown with music scene, art scene, food scene, um, this hip, this hip uh, culture that's been developed, which I'm just stunned by, people want to be a part of it. Uh, particularly as we go through the pandemic, where some of the big cities don't have the draw they once did. Absolutely, and I'm just curious,
1: Chancellor. I mean, I, I know one thing, and in, in, I'm a banker, so I think about the economic ramifications of this. But the University of Wisconsin Madison is, you know, it's, it's called Wharf, and, and their whole ability to be able to capitalize on some of these scientific breakthroughs and then pre- create business models over them, and a lot of Madison's growth has been through this you know, growth of taking these ideas, creating these small businesses on the edges of town, and then they morph from there. Um, is there, on the undergraduate level, is there a chance of that happening here at Eau Claire?
2: Well, 100%. So, you know, we were named only a few years ago as the nation's number one undergraduate research institution among all master's level schools. Did you know that 40% of our graduates... This includes the music majors, history majors, every 40% of them, so it's a little heavier in the sciences, have done undergraduate research with a faculty member outside of the curriculum. Most of them were paid for doing this work and they, many of them have started doing it as early as their freshman year. One of the things that's getting us international attention, and it's why we got that award for uh, entrepreneurship and engagement, is in part this thing. We have shown economically That you don't have to wait till they've gone through their master's and doctoral program to get the kind of research you need to build companies with that you can actually secure that at the undergraduate level so a lot of developing countries are looking at us as a model everyone from China, interestingly enough, who can't build universities fast enough in areas of the Middle East that are trying to transition off oil to a different kind of economy. In fact, I've got guests coming in from the Sultanate of Oman on Friday again to take a look at this model that we have at Eau Claire. I will tell you, our students will create incredible value. Uh, we've had freshmen already do joint research with Mayo Clinic and in their freshman year they solve a problem that has already moved to animal trial and is in the pipeline for patents. These freshmen have been published in two separate peer-reviewed medical journals and their name will be on a patent as freshmen. You'd be lucky to get that as a med student and here, here you can do that as a freshman. You can't get that experience anywhere else. I don't care if you go to Johns Hopkins. don't care if you go to the University of Minnesota. Those graduate schools are the ones doing that work, certainly not freshmen.
1: Well, I was part of this program this spring. You brought in these um, undergraduates throughout the country are presenting their, their, their programs, and uh, it was amazing. You had, what, two, 3,000 students here. You closed down the university for a few days, and it... Thank heavens we had some of the most glorious weather that we ever had. But I think you know you put Eau Claire on the map in ways that it never has been on the map before. And I, I in the in the, the the undergraduate that I spoke to, whether they're from the East Coast or the West Coast or from the South, are thinking this is an absolute gem up here. It is, and yeah,
2: it almost four thousand people from across the country. You had forty-five states, seven countries, as far away as South Korea, Japan, and Egypt were here. And the university rolled out the red carpet. We had eleven hundred volunteers to help with that. We opened up the community, and I said, everybody who believed in some higher being must have been praying, burning sage, or doing whatever at the same time, because we had, you know, terrible weather followed by eighty degree weather. And as they were leaving, we had snow flurries in the air on Saturday <laughs> yeah. afternoon. But so, we had
1: eighty degrees for those times. Oh, oh, it was th- it this was...
2: was what they call a Chamber of Commerce Day. Why wouldn't you want to come back? We, by the way, we had students from all across the country in the sessions for mail. They're totally sold out, if you will. Standing room only. There wasn't a price, but it was full. And the, th- the feedback we got over and over said, this isn't fair. UW-Eau Claire students get to do this as a pre-med student. They said, we're going to be competing against them for the best med school. There's no way we compete with this. This isn't fair. What can we do? And I said, well, I can have you talk to our transfer office. but you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, I said it a little lightly, but I've realized that they were, act, you know, they're so competitive. I said, you're going to be okay. But they were terrified because they couldn't imagine having the resources. That, frankly, our faculty and staff have worked overtime, totally overtime, because this is after the full teaching load they're taking on these research students.
1: Now, Chancellor, in a, I'll say, a motion to how much is going on we we're probably 25 minutes into this conversation. We even talked about the Sonntag Center. I know. You know, so, I mean, it, it, this this is, this, is, this is great stuff. So I'm going to p- pivot there quickly because talk about another transformative facility on campus. It's that. And I just drove on Menominee Street yesterday, and it's up and running and rolling and uh, still, my understanding, still on, on course for graduation of, of twenty twenty four. That's right. Um, any comments about that? How's 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 the facility going? And can we expect something also transformative, both in terms of the facility for the university and what that's going to do for the athletic programs?
2: Well, let me tell you. you th- as big as it looks like from the outside, it's bigger on the inside. For those of you who are Doctor Who fans, this is the Tardis. You go inside, <laughs> and you, it, all of a sudden you get perspective because you see how small bodies are in there, and all the cars that they've got parked in there temporarily. It's really enormous on the inside. So this is going to be a complete game changer. We're hearing this from athletic recruits already. Uh, people are excited in our kinesiology department with the Mayo again, collaboration with that sports medicine, full imaging suite. In fact, Mayo's decided to build out even further what they originally planned. They'd had some places they were going to shell in. But nope, they're bringing in another MRI, so they're going to be two out there. Um, the fitness facilities that all of our students who be make, the marching band that has been invited to play in the Rose Bowl a number of times, and they have to say no because they have nowhere to practice after November 1st. So the amount of uses just from our current students, but all youth sports in the area, the ability to be a regional hub. You look at that whole athletic district that is coming together with the tennis center with Carson Park and Hobbs Ice Arena this this will be a complete game changer we're going to go we're you know i've got the original sports illustrated that did the cover story on college basketball in 1973 that said the blue golds are playing in an old outdated arena they hope to be in a new 10,000 seat arena in the next couple years well, we just did a big basketball reunion this weekend honoring Ken Anderson. We had people back who were in that Sports Illustrated, and we laughed because it said they hope to be in this new facility in a couple years. Well, 50 years later, <laughs> we've got progress, and we can see it happen. Have
0: you have you have you closed your eyes a couple of times and dreamt of what it will be like this spring at graduation, in which you're there for the first time, and you you'll know, you'll no doubt show dignitaries, but then also. Several months later, when there's the first sort of community event there, most likely a basketball game will be there, and, and you can open the doors to the community, and the people see... Oh, this isn't just a big gym. This is it's an right? arena.
2: <laughs> it's an arena that'll be set for concerts as well. We've made a promise to the community. We want to work with the Pablo Center to attract all kinds of acts and entertainment to the community. Do you know some of our biggest employers have been driving by that site for the last nine years? Every time they're trying to convince someone to move to town, pretty soon there'll be this thing. And you know our goal is to keep that facility busy. We want to bring in all these big concerts as amenities for the area. So, in concert with
1: the Sonntag, there's also growth happening out in Simpson Field. Yeah, and where's that going right now?
2: Well, we've uh, we've been very fortunate with our donors. We hosted our first outdoor track and field meet last spring. It's been almost 20 years, and yet we have a number of national championships, and these poor athletes have never been able to be home for a home meet. They talked about that and they said, hey, my roommate can come watch me. My classmates can come cheer me on without having to get in a car and drive six or seven hours. So it's been very meaningful for them. Since we've put the lights up there, all of a sudden students are coming out of the dormitories. We have 4,000 students living on top of the hill and they, oh, what are the lights? What's the cheering? Oh, it's a women's soccer game. Let's go cheer them on or women's lacrosse or men's soccer or track meet. So For those who haven't been up there, we've got the visitor stands up and a temporary press box. We're in the process of finishing to raise the funds to build a grandstand on that facility and some other amenities. And our plan would be to bring blue-gold football back to campus. You know, as we're moving, in essence, men's and women's basketball off campus to Sonotag, it's really important that you have a balance of some things on campus as well. Um, and frankly, the city has announced their plans. They want to turf Carson Park, which I fully support, to make sure that they've got a, a, a state-of-the-art baseball field. And that's really what that, that park is really known for. But the trouble when you do that, you have to take out all the visitor stands in the football field because it would be sitting on top of the turf, and that, that just doesn't work. And frankly, Carson Park wouldn't be big enough. We fill the stands, even when our football team isn't doing well we typically have at least 5,000 people there. So we're planning a 6,000 seat venue. We're still raising funds for that. It's gonna be done again with all private money and we know it'll be a great enhancement for the community and we'll invite other football teams to consider playing on our field as well.
1: So we've talked about uh, the campus infrastructure. We've talked about the new the buildings. We've talked about enrollment, uh, students coming. How about staff? I know, I mean, I would I would have to believe that the number of folks getting PhDs and, and being able to teach at the university has got to be also a very incredible uh challenge in terms of you know, competing against everybody out there. How does UW Claire stack up in that regard? And are these I have to believe these improvements that you've you've made to the university have gotta resonate with folks who can teach anywhere and saying I want to come
2: here yeah so we attract the kind of faculty and staff who want to be a part of our culture right that just makes sense in our culture if you're a faculty member and you have no interest in, in doing undergraduate research you're just not going to get hired and if you lie and you're not going to get tenured you're gonna be sent on your way anyway Uh, But you need the facilities. And again, I love our faculty because they'll make do. They are good Midwesterners, even if they came from the East or West Coast, and they've learned how to make do. You look at that old science building, the fact that we've had two Rhodes Scholars out of that building with majors in that, uh, getting the accolades we have for undergraduate research, being able to be only the second in the world to have an agreement like that with Mayo Clinic, so they can make do. But the building was going to fail. That was the big threat. You know, I got my call three years ago on a Saturday morning at 630 from the UW-Eau Claire Claire Police Department saying, that's not a good sign. And they said, Chancellor, the science building's on fire. There's no sprinkler systems in there. So the threat was really bad, but it does attract the, the talent. You know The, the new indoor tag facility was a big piece in attracting what I think is going to be a heck of a football coach. So you should expect good things from him. And again, I was kind of surprised that our marching band director was going to be as excited about this as any of the athletic teams for, for his use. So it's it's been a big piece of it. And when you add all these up, it in, we've had about $725 million in capital investment in the last 10 years. Most, much of it raised privately. Of course, the state support for the science building has been important. The help of Blue Gold Real Estate and doing things really carefully. I know you've got to spread these things out when the needs are that great. You have to invite everyone to play their part. And I've been grateful that people have been willing to play that part. It, you know, in downtown, you know, look what Pablo kicked off. I, last I heard, you know, $800 million investment in the downtown for capital infrastructure, look at the apartments and for they're full. I just can't believe it. I'm finding out that all these new facilities are full, and we have a beautiful downtown.
1: Um, amazing. I do have one quick question. We might yep. go a little over time here, but I, I'm going to ask you: um, any final things you want to do on the campus for infrastructure before you take off?
2: Oh, there's you know we hadn't had any big state building. Project on our campus for almost 40 years and again it was that Eau Claire thing where we'll make do um, you know frankly people will be surprised but our nursing building I know we're just building a new science facility but we're trying to double and triple our nursing program over time the current building was built in 1964 it isn't functional very so there's that College of Business has had to expand the size of their classes because Funding isn't where it needs to be, and that building was built in the early 60s. So we have a lot of buildings that need attention. So there are plenty of these big projects, even though we've done a bunch right now that are going to need attention. But we'll have to wait in line. We'll have to be creative, and we'll probably ask for some help from our alumni as well.
1: Well, Chancellor, thank you so much for joining us. I could go on for another, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes or so, but this has been wonderful. Thank you for listening to Scott and I talk with uh, Chancellor over a beer today. If you like what you've heard, please give Bank with a Beer a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Northwestern Bank website, wherever you listen to your podcast from. Bank with a Beer is sponsored by Northwestern Bank. we stronger communities people